1: Hello, everyone, welcome back to RotoViz Overtime on RotoViz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I am joined by Sean Seal of RotoViz.com, co owner of the website, co host of Stealing Bananas, and obviously co host of RotoViz Overtime as well. Sean, we did a best ball mini draft over at Underdog Fantasy. As longtime listeners will know, you can sign up over there, use the code RotoViz, get yourself a 100% sign up bonus up to $100. But, Sean, We're going to talk through the team. You teased at the end of that draft that there's some selections that you may have done different. I think it went pretty well, but we'll we'll see how things we'll see how things play out as we discuss it through here. It is basically an instant reaction pod to how things went. But before we get into the draft board, Sean, we are here on Saturday's podcast. Hopefully, all the listeners got involved in the Scott Fishbowl contest that did close yesterday announcement will be made on who has won that on Twitter today and then we'll let you know on the podcast next week who has won. But Sean, how are you doing as we we close out this week? And uh, I guess I'll peel back the curtain. Uh, I've been in a little bit of agony this week. Some people may have seen on Twitter that I I hurt my my back over the last week or so. Um, I was outside earlier today, got my daughter a a kind of a water gun. She thought, yeah, it's going to be fun. We're going to spray some flowers with it. We'll spray the wall and yeah, she had very little sympathy as I wasn't able to barely move and decided that she was going to, to soak me a little bit. So uh, <laughs> I think she gets her, uh, I don't know, her, her lack of empathy hopefully isn't coming from me at this point in time. But Sean, we are here on Saturday. How are you How are you feeling at this point of the week?
2: Good, good. I No one used me for target practice. So <laughs> I don't have to deal with that. My back is currently going well. Uh, Colin, I know that you're hurting as there have been times when you kind of disappeared from the pod over the last (laughs) couple of recordings where you've had to get up and walk around. And I find myself uh, kind of going it alone, which obviously you've got to, you've got to fight through right? I mean, this is just like Sunday, you you turn an ankle, you've got to get back up and, and get back out there. So you have done a good job with that. And that leads us into what we're here for, which was a draft where despite the discomfort that you were battling, we had a great time and I think selected a very fun team. Colin, one of the things that we know that we're gonna run into with the year of data that we have in the underdog roster construction explorer, Michael doomer has gone over this in some really cool articles, comparing and contrasting the 2021 season with previous seasons, looking at that in a bigger picture from uh, sort of across the tools, if you've been missing His articles, make sure you get out there and check them out. They are absolutely fantastic. They'll change the way you play best ball for the better. You'll be able to really ramp up your winnings in these contests. And then, if you read Connor O'Driscoll's piece on zero RB and not thinking, overthinking uniqueness, then you know exactly what would happen when we start this draft the way that we did, which is that. There are going to be very few and i'm going to say zero other teams in the contest that have a team remotely like this one his article looking at how you build zero rb teams pointed out that you're unlikely to be duplicated or to have a lot of similarities if you just go through and select your zero rb team in the very straightforward way that you should select it you don't need to then do crazy things to get different now we did some crazy things in this draft but they weren't explicitly to uh, be different. We just wanted to take some of the values that we felt were out there on the board. The other thing that you're gonna see, and one of the things is I pulled up some of the things that we did in the roster construction explore is just that you know there aren't teams like this, right? We select three very well-established veteran QBs at the end of the draft. That is something that's happening very infrequently in part because you're not necessarily getting those guys to fall, but especially now in 2022, drafters know that you need to have those either the elite qb or the qbs in the window it'll be interesting to see how this plays having the three instead of the two just does change the dynamic we do get a couple of pairings with wide receivers that we like and our overall team is just very very good so if we did get surprising performances from those quarterbacks i mean, we're going to be in the mix there so colin start us out explain to the listeners what we did
1: yeah, so let's uh, let's do a rundown of the fall draft for ourselves. Uh, so we did pick out of the ninth spot. Then we go Devonte Adams there. We took Debo Samuel in the second round. Jalen Waddle followed up by Deontay Johnson. Then Juju Smith Schuster. J.K. Dobbins had a little bit of a slip after, obviously, the news has come out of his injury and situation and status over the last couple of days. Then we have TJ Hawkinson, Traylon Burks. Kareem Hunt, Devin Singletary in the ninth and 10th round. Then we go Ronald Jones, Isaiah Spiller. So we have four running backs there to round off. We go two tight ends in with Gerald Everett and Noah Fant. Then we get KJ Hamler, who we just could not turn down at that point. There was a conversation, I think, at the Noah Fant pick potentially around Matt Ryan. I said we didn't need Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan falls to the 16th round. We got Matt Ryan, followed by Jared Goff, followed by Ryan Tannehill. Those were the three quarterbacks we had kind of targeted from probably the 10th round onwards. So to get them all and and really looking here at the draft board from the 13th round uh, where Daniel Jones and Kurt Cousins went, no quarterbacks in the 14th. We get just Trevor Lawrence in the 15th. Then we get, we took Matt Ryan in the 16th. There's three quarterbacks in the 17th and Carson Wentz, Zach Wilson and Jared Goff. And then it is Tannehill who we take. So there was not much happening at quarterback in that kind of later portion of the draft. And that worked out perfect for us, Sean, there. Looking through it then, I think the overall build with the depth that we have with the three tight ends that we have taken in Everett, Fant, and Hawkinson, then we pretty much got four of our ideal zero RB candidates, but we also took J.K. Dobbins, who was in the sixth round, and then we got those quarterbacks. So the weakness of this team is going to be quarterback, but the other thing to mention is two of those quarterbacks lead to stacks then with some of our other players in T.J. Hawkinson um, and Treylon burks and um, so we we also have that kind of added into it also sean first question up here zero rb or not zero rb jk dobbins in the sixth round
2: yeah we get the five receivers first in the perfect world we would want this to be a team that had a tight end in there but we'll we'll just kind of see how 2022 transpires i i don't understand the TJ Hawkinson ADP, I realize a lot of other very sharp analysts are not on him, which is the reason why he's going here. The people who are determining how the community sees his prospects are not enthusiastic. But you go in, you look at him in the stealing signals tool, you'll see that he fits in that elite group. And one of the issues with his efficiency, which people have also knocked, I mean, TJ Hawkinson has not exploded in the way that you're getting from a Travis Kelsey or a George Kittle. But TJ Hawkinson was being triple teamed last year. He was being triple teamed and playing in a bad offense with Jerry Goff, struggling to move from this very talented team with the Rams to this less talented team with the Lions. Then after TJ Hawkinson gets injured, Goff emerges, the, lion, the Lions kind of right the ship and get things going there with Amon Ra. Now they add DJ Chark. Now they add Jameson Williams. We don't necessarily think that Williams is going to play for a big chunk of the season. And now there are concerns on the other direction of, okay, what's his target share going to be like? But when you flip from a situation where an elite player was being triple teamed to now one where you're saying, oh, well, maybe they won't pass to him. It's like if the defense is going to have to deal with all of these other weapons and... The quarterback now has all these other options the target volume in all likelihood is going to flow back through the star and so i think that you have to be down on his talent to not like him in this range and if you're down on his talent that's perfectly fine you can uh, certainly not select him here and let him continue to fall i also think that just because hawkinson is more expensive in tight end premium formats and maybe at that point does cost you a player that you want at wide receiver or a player you want at running back Maybe you avoid him in that type of format and just really hammer him here in underdog. If he has a bad season, hammering him in underdog will not have helped you. But I think it is a potential way to play one of the outcomes of the season. So again, we're not trying to be dogmatic about the zero RB type of build. I mean, I'm saying yes. I mean, this is zero RB with these five wide receivers and with Hawkinson as someone who basically counts as a fourth round player but you're getting him in the seventh round one of the things that we talked about a lot and we'll continue to talk about is that don't let the structure actually pull you off of players who are dramatically misvalued
1: and you know back to Hawkinson. Hawkinson, somebody who was you know a top 10 pick uh, in 2019 and you know each season has you know, I would say has got better. Uh, The one thing that's held him back a little bit is the touchdowns. Had four last year, had six the year before. You know, I think that when we're looking at the players that are going around him, I just think that he's in such a great place. I I would have been happy, and I was asking, kind of hinting at this, when I was asking about who we should take in the fifth, sixth round. You know, I, I would be as happy to take Hawkinson even as high as the sixth, but...
2: And Colin, the other thing there with Hawkinson is that he wasn't healthy. And so maybe you want to look at it and say, well, we don't think this guy can stay healthy. And so that's a reason to discount him. But the numbers that he put up last season were being triple teamed and dealing with multiple significant injuries to the point where he finally had to stop playing. So I I like the talent here. I'm very willing to be wrong on this one. And as I say all the time, I'm wrong frequently. So this could be one of those situations. (laughs) (laughs)
1: let's hope not because we we have a lot of tj hawkinson but i'm i'm still i'm still very bullish on him for this year and when we looked in the one that you did kind of tease a mention of when we were finishing up the previous show on thursday was debo samuel you talked about maybe going a different direction not for the want of not thinking that debo samuel is gonna be a superstar not thinking that he's gonna have a, a phenomenal season but more so for the fact that you've drafted him quite a bit and i've drafted him in a lot of leagues but i'm at the point where at the point of the season where i'm like these are the guys i like and the diversification might come a slight bit later but when we look at it we have looking at the wide receivers taken we have cooper cup justin jefferson jamar chase cd lamb stefan diggs had all gone off the board so they're the first five wide receivers i mentioned it during the draft cd lamb there is is an aggressive selection also i just looking through that team he has paired it up with ezekiel elliott in the third round which is also in my opinion yeah. an aggressive selection and then dak prescott in the seventh round so obviously in on the cowboys in this build particularly that was the team in the sixth slot but when we looked in that that means that Adams gets pushed to us realistically Sean at that point of the draft I thought Lamb was probably going to be the available option for us but wide receivers do go off the board early in this draft and we still get Adams and then between that selection it goes Travis Kelsey, Joe Mixon, DeAndre Swift, Najee Harris, Mike Evans, Derrick Henry, Derek Henry pushed down quite a bit there. The team drafting 10th gets him in the second round. Then we have our pick of Debo Samuel. So I think when we get the selection of Adams, I had concerns that we're not going to get Debo back to us at that point. Mike Evans went ahead of him in this draft. And then the guys that we really do like at the back end of the round being AJ Brown, T Higgins, and possibly Tyreek Hill. So looking at that, the player that you did ask about you were going to I think you were going to mention Dalvin Cook at that point you had Derek Henry and the Q as a possible option and then Saquon Barkley as somebody who continues to creep up draft board so when you mentioned on the Thursday show about maybe going a different way for Debo Samuel I was very interested to see first of all who the other options for you would be there at that fourth pick of the second round and then after that we'll dive into maybe how the rest of the draft
2: would have played out had we made that choice. Yeah, I was going to make a pitch for Derek Henry. I know that you wanted to draft a zero RB team. We would have had an anchor RB team here with Henry. That would have given us a lot of flexibility to take some of the wide receivers we like late. We didn't end up needing to do that. I love the build that we have, but I don't understand Derrick Henry's ADP. Is the potential for last season to kind of be the end of his run? Yeah, but unlike someone like Ezekiel Elliott, who was playing poorly while he was playing, Derrick Henry was absolutely fantastic. And you're talking about a half PPR format here. That's absolutely perfect for him. If not for that injury, I mean, he'd be, he'd be in the first three picks, right? He would have to be based on what his scoring profile is. So to have him in the second round, I mean, I think I, I, we could have made it a good argument for him at the ninth overall pick. I don't understand Joe Mixon going ahead of him. I think that's absolutely crazy. The, The thing with Mixon is you're basically counting on this Bengals offense being unbelievably explosive. And then if you're in the finals and we saw that Joe Mixon played an outsized role in underdog last season, which, you know, that's going to push him up because drafters are going to really chase. The specific scenario that happened last year even though it's last year's scenario but with joe mixon you're basically gambling on the idea that in key games joe mixon is going to have a two or three touchdown explosion because the Bengals score so many points but joe mixon is is just a guy and he doesn't have anything like the talent or even the scoring profile to be selected in this range naji harris with some of the things that we're hearing out of pittsburgh with how they are going to try and reduce his workload, which they should. But once you reduce reduce his workload within the context of that offense, then he doesn't have the scoring profile that you need.
1: Or the efficiency.
2: Right. And so now you're looking at Dalvin Cook, Saquon Barkley, Leonard Fournette, even though, I mean, he's not our guy. I think those picks make more sense. I, I don't have a good read on the potential problems for Cook or for Alvin Kamara we know that one of the things that happened in this draft is that after that original burst of enthusiasm, when the criminal cases against Deshaun Watson were dismissed, now what's currently happening with Watson has pushed him all the way to the end. He's not someone that we're looking to draft. He's not on our board. But I think that if he were, then when we're picking quarterbacks in the 16th, 17th, 18th rounds, he would have to be someone that you look at a little bit. I do expect him to miss the season though. I think that a little bit of concerns about things that could happen with Cook and Kamara are obviously pushing them down. Drafters are reluctant to kind of lean into those problems, especially after those players drop down in terms of efficiency, in terms of the running back position. And when Ben and I profiled this on our running back preview edition of Stealing Bananas, we talked about the fact that Cook and Kamara both collapsed from an efficiency perspective last year. Now, a lot of listeners are going to say, well, that's fine, but efficiency does bounce around, and it does. But it also is at least a minor red flag for running backs who are getting to the point in the career trajectory that Cook and Kamara are at. And so you have to be aware of that. But Cook and the potential for him as likely still an elite back in this Minnesota offense. It'll be very different. And it seems like very dynamic. To have put him in here at the 204, I think would have been an interesting choice. And we hate to contribute too much to Barkley's ADP rise. I One of the things that I mentioned early in the offseason is that I was doing a lot of hyper-fragile builds because I didn't think there was any way that Barkley and ETN and Hall and Dobbins could continue to be as inexpensive as they were. One of the things that we've seen now is that Dobbins obviously is dropping further as injury concerns continue to rise, but Barkley and ETN are going on very, very quickly. So I'm glad that I have some teams that were heavy on them with that mix early on. I, I almost think there's no position that is too high for Barkley once Stefan Diggs and Devontae Adams are off the board. Once those two receivers are off the board, then I think it's almost anybody's ball game where you go next. I mean, we're talking about Mike Evans being drafted at 201. And, and Mike Evans has been, I mean, at the 202. And he's a player who has not got a profile anything close to that over the last two or three years. So we'll see how it turns out. I wouldn't be surprised if. Of Brady to Evans combination works but I think that you have to be aware of all of the different things that would have to happen you have to be aware of you know what are the chances that he outperforms that it, it could be very much a situation like we saw last year with Cooper Cup where a player who'd been a consistent fourth and fifth round draft pick suddenly becomes the greatest fantasy player more or less in history You're almost making that bet when you're selecting him this early.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: I think it's interesting, too, obviously, with the news of Rob Gronkowski announcing his, I guess we'll use quotation marks, but retirement. Uh, We'll see how long it lasts, hopefully. Well, not hopefully, but uh, maybe it'll be longer than what Tom Brady's was this offseason. We may see Gronk back at some point, maybe. But uh, Mike Evans moving up, and obviously the Chris Godwin injury, um, very, very pushed up. But what I was going to touch on, well, go to our team first. Then I'm going to ask some questions about some of the other teams, because I think there is some points where people have, really either gone for their players or you know pushed a, maybe a little bit too high to, to get some of the guys that they have got. Maybe Evans is an example off that. But if we had have went with one of those running backs, let's say we get Derrick Henry, let's say we get uh, Saquon Barkley at that point, J.K. Dobbins falls to us in the sixth at that point. Is he still the player you're drafting there? You know, I think I think based on where he fell to, I, it felt like he's still the pick. The other players... They were going in that range where Amon Ross and Brown, Kyler Murray went there. Drake London was in the mix. You know, I I think that Dobbins is still the the top pick there, probably unless you go quarterback.
2: Yeah, I think one of the things that you can do is within the context of the rest of the players that we got, you could potentially swap him out for Amon Ross, St. Brown, Kyler Murray, Drake London. Amon Ra and London especially are very compelling picks right in that range. Darnell Mooney, if he falls one more spot to us, and then you can go with Justin Fields. And I think we would have prioritized Fields over Ronald Jones in the 11th round where he made the Jones selection. So there will be a couple of different options. I think that perhaps that would be a stronger overall team if we went running back there and then wide receiver in the sixth. But partly here, I guess I'm just reacting to the fact that I do have Debo in almost every league and I'm looking to diversify a little bit. Even in a situation where you do like the player's talent and you think that he's being faded too much as a result of some of the offensive context concerns. At this point, with those concerns being so well known and the concern being also so significant, I think that we're going to have teams get him in that 209, 210, you know, even the, the two, three turn as the offseason moves along. And so, a team here where we have him at the 204 is a little bit rich. And because so many of our guys do seem to be, or not so many, because there are a handful of our players that we really like well above ADP, and then we end up with a lot of them. The key thing is to try and also get them below ADP. I've got a couple of articles up on the site sort of discussing that element of it. That's the only reason that I would be off of Samuel there. I mean, in a vacuum, I still like him better than those other players.
1: Yeah, so it's a, it's always interesting, especially when you're volume drafting. Um, you know, players there that you really do like, but you might have drafted them too many times, and <laughs> you're trying to diversify. As Sean mentioned, but yeah, I think Debo is going to be interesting. You mentioned him. I have got him a couple of times at the back end of that second round, so I can see what you're saying with that little bit maybe of a, a stretch to get him there, being a little bit early. But I do think the overall build here that we have done through those opening 10 rounds is going to be going to be quite unique looking that's probably the one part of the conversation i think sean that you have touched on that i have looked at that could have been different i'm I'm pretty happy to to say that I, i would sit with what we have but looking through the rest of the draft board particularly i guess from you know we've gone kind of as far as the tj hawkinson pick but from around nine onwards where we get Devin singletary and kareem hunt ronald jones isaiah spiller Look on the rest of the draft. I don't think that remaining portion of the draft from round nine onwards could went much better, particularly mm-hmm. as the quarterbacks continued to fall down and down and down and we were able to take the likes of KJ Hamler. How do you feel? It didn't feel like a draft today. outside of the Dangle Jones pick that I joked about where we had players where we are like, we really hope that they come to us. And then when that pick happened, You know, sometimes you have three picks before you, and three players in your queue go off the board, and you're left with nothing. It really didn't feel like that happened with us at all today. It felt like every time we had a pick, we had two to three options of who we could take.
2: We did have a lot of good situations here and that's one of the reasons why we ended up with such a strong group of running backs kareem hunt to us got to us in the ninth round below adp so we selected him even though we probably have a little bit of a lean toward devin singletary again the idea there is to make sure you're getting also good adp values on your guys and then we wrap back around and singletary was still on the board melvin gordon was the other player we had been considering he goes three selections ahead of us we do take Singletary with the even better ADP value of Damian Harris, still available. But Harris does look like a pure touchdown guy in 2022. Not only does he have Ramondre Stevenson behind him, but it sounds like Pierre Strong has performed well in early offseason activities for the team. If you have both Stevenson and Strong behind you, they're both more physically talented. You know, your skill level difference has to be so extreme to make sure you carve out enough work.
1: I would have to think as well that, you know, when I get into a situation like that I'm thinking this Bills offense is going to be scoring a lot more points and they're going to be in the red zone a lot more than this Patriots team.
2: They are. And and because you mentioned that, I mean that's one of these situations here where, yeah, the Bills running backs haven't scored as many points as we've expected the last couple of years, but that did change at the end of last season. And as opposed to looking at the end of last season, As the aberration, there is a potential element, at least. I'm not saying it's the (laughs) odds-on scenario, but we would have always expected the Bills running backs to start, start scoring more points. They did that over the last month. They did it through Devin Singletary. They drafted him originally. He's got these great peripherals that I've discussed from time to time. I would think that the 2022 season will be Closer to that. Not saying Devin Singletary is going to score a touchdown a game and finish with you know 17 to 20 touchdowns, although that's not impossible, right? I, I, again, you're talking about the offense who may lead the NFL in scoring. Definitely only two or three other real competitors for them for that for that crown.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna jump the shark here, Sean. Devin Singletary could be this year's James Connor.
2: Well, you've got to go farther than that. I mean, he, he's going to score 20 touchdowns in 2022.
1: I'll settle for that. I'll settle for 20. Um, but when we look at it, I think we've we've really got a lot of fantastic things have fallen our way in those, as I mentioned, with the option to have those extra selections. I mentioned some of the other uh, drafters and some interesting teams here in it, but Sean, as we look through the draft board and some of the selections, we talked on the Tuesday show about stacking in week 17 and how to implement that. You made a very good point on that show to our team last year who came second and we didn't have... A huge amount of stacking in that and then in the cases where we had some stacks which would have been Aaron Rodgers and Devontae adams we actually started joe burrow in in the final week so the stack didn't really come into play um when we look at some of these rosters i mentioned the team earlier with the dallas cowboys um a lot of guys in there in team five but looking through some of the other rosters then where i think that maybe a little bit forced into getting those stacks put together so we do have situations where in the third and fourth round, um, and again, these aren't call-outs to these picks being bad, you know. but we have Mike, Mike Williams and Justin Herbert. Mike Williams did go one pick before our selection, and that and this isn't bad blood because they picked Mike Williams on the shun. This is a case where getting those stacks, I think sometimes people are really pushing to get them. We have uh, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes is another one that goes early, and we talked about the cost of trying to, implement those in and trying to push those players in i know people have probably heard it before but when we look at it in this draft i think some of the plays that worked out for us were down to that you know so we have jamar chase as well sorry to, to go back to it with joe burrow on one of the rosters but i think people may be pushing to get those stacks a little bit too much and then that could be the reason that for example the the drafter of michael Pittman in this he's probably the the one guy you would want to pair with the likes of matt ryan but letting those guys fall I think a lot of people were just trying to to stack or or let the quarterbacks fall I think that's what gave us those values at the quarterback position
2: well it is interesting because the Pittman drafter got both of our main quarterbacks that we were looking at and we, we ended up with Matt Ryan at the very end which was in no way trying to snag the the Pittman QB away from him but just the way that it worked out you mentioned how teams can sometimes be pushing too hard to get those stacks one of the things here with the Williams Herbert stack is that Williams actually fell well below where he's been going and so that once you get that great value on him it becomes a little bit more compelling to put in with Herbert you're not going to get Herbert coming back at the end of round five and so taking him in round four especially if you had that as a tier break we selected Deontay Johnson with the pick right ahead I have a massive tier break after that when you go down to McLaurin Judy Allen Robinson Metcalf brandon cooks as the next wide receivers going it's very easy to see why a drafter would simply say yeah those guys don't interest me james connor was the other player we were kind of looking at there i mean connor has some dead zone running back elements to him i think that in some ways there's the potential to chase what he did last season too much but there's also this element where if you're trying to look at some running backs who have both pluses and minuses who have had two seasons really. At this level, but also have done some things in their career that have gotten them off of their first team onto a second team. Uh, in Fournette's case, almost off of his second team. When you look at Fournette in the late second, and then Connor in the mid to late fourth, I mean you're getting a two round discount on what is probably a very similar type of profile. We looked at him as a possibility, but we did decide to stay with the wide receiver, not take sort of a, an older. Dead zone running back at that point. So I could see that as a pick instead of Justin Herbert there. That drafter would have then have Diggs, Cook, Mike Williams, Connor, Rashad Bateman, Amon Ra. Maybe then would be able to avoid the Tony Pollard pick in round seven. That's one that I mean, I, I love Tony Pollard. I think that he's going to have a very good season. It seems likely that the split with Elliott will be more than it was even last year and at the same time we've seen i mean even if elliot gets hurt we're now into the situation contract wise where every year we get closer to the point where the cowboys are going to feel like they've kind of destroyed this contract situation less by actually just pulling the plug and going to pollard but pollard in round seven i have a i have a harder time kind of understanding how that works you can get players like kareem hunt Cordero patterson i mean rashad penny is a little bit and so these guys are guys going in round nine rashad penny in round nine that one when you consider what they just did by taking walker i mean i love penny but that one especially with how bad the offense will be and with his injury background that one probably a little bit harder but then you have melvin gordon in round 10 and melvin gordon in round 10 is probably at least as good a bet as tony pollard in round seven because if javante williams gets injured melvin gordon probably the workhorse if ezekiel elliott gets injured i mean tony pollard is going to play but he's not going to be a full-time guy and so you still don't have necessarily this expected points profile that you need to absolutely destroy the tournament so from that perspective if you have connor then maybe you don't make that tony pollard pick Obviously, then you do have to sneak in a different quarterback at some point. And so you have these carry-on effects down later. But but those selections are very, very interesting. And I, I've mentioned a couple of the players that I don't necessarily care for out of 211. But there are also some players on that team that I absolutely love in terms of Marquise Brown, Travis Etienne, Devontae Smith. So a lot. And then Sky Moore later, uh, getting him in round eight. A lot of really cool players on that team. So it's definitely not something where we don't like the 211 build.
1: And that is going to get us towards closing out today's episode of the show hopefully you've enjoyed both the draft and the recap i'm hoping sean that this is one that we have to come back and listen to in january where we're saying this is a repost of the show this team is charging towards the two million dollar top prize let's hope that's the case we had the best ball tournament over the ffpc last year that, that was the case and we're, we're hoping to go one better this year as always, signing up for a Rotoviz NFL Pass over at rotoviz.com. As a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10%. That will get you that discount and use the code RVRADIO2022 to access that. have got a lot of interest in the listener league. So if you are interested in playing in some of the listener leagues over at the FFPC, there will be $35 entries. I'm currently communicating with the FFPC. We may even do some of the superflex. Best ball tournament drafts as well as listener league. So we'll see how things play out there. But if you are interested, let me know on Twitter at Overtime Ireland or email them over at radio at gmail.com. Make sure you are reading all of Sean's work up on rotovis.com. It will help each and every time you read it. You're going to learn something that will make you a better fantasy football player. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My co host is The as mentioned before, Sean Siegel. Until we're back with another podcast, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime and Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcast app. You can contact us via email at radio at gmail.com, follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotaviz.com forward slash podcast.